Thank you for joining us here at Creative Church. We pray today's word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what is given to you. The easiest way to do that is to visit us at creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and for your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. All right, but we're going we're gonna to pray. But um, Matthew chapter 24, I'm sorry, 22. Matthew 22, begin reading at verse 34. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, who was a lawyer, you know, an expert, the big dog, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Amen? Prophesy over the people and dad. Dear Lord, I prophesy that you will give my father um, peace, grace, love, patience during this sermon, Lord. Give him wisdom to preach to these people, Lord. And Lord, help these people in this auditorium receive whatever wisdom, whatever teaching you have given him. And help them with anything they have going on today. Help them with healing, peace, patience, all of it, Lord. In your my name I pray. Amen. Amen. I love you. But let's jump into the word today. If you've got your Bibles, keep them open. Matthew 22, there's this story of Jesus. And, and you know, this story is a, is a really interesting one because uh, the culture of which Jesus came and the, the, the tension of which Jesus came was, was very intense. It was very challenging. And the Pharisees and Sadducees had been all day trying to trick Jesus or trip Jesus up. And they had tried three times to trip him up. Be careful when you try to trick Jesus, okay? They tried to trip him up. They couldn't do it. And, you know, we live in a world today where everybody is just screaming, revolution, change, you know, the younger generation jumps on the hype of it. You know, everybody's pushing new agendas and trying to push the human race forward. And poor people, they say, are getting poor. Rich people, they say, are getting richer. People are oppressed. You know, millennials and Gen Z, they say they want to be world changers. And, you know, we want to do something different that's never been done. We have a new political idea. We, we just, you know, we've got to stop all the things that are happening, global warming and vegan. And if somebody hands me another paper straw, I'm going to scream. <laughs> you know, it's like, this doesn't work. Paper is not a straw. Find something else. And before you hate on me, I married a millennial, Pastor Joanne. I Googled it the other day. I'm like, technically, you're a millennial. She's like, I don't want to hear. I was like, you are. You're a millennial. I married a millennial. <laughs> and so, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I bring that up because I think it's very arrogant. I just think it's very arrogant to think that no one before you ever tried to change the world. I think, it's, I think it's this mentality of like, well, we're going to be the heroes and the sacrificial, selfless, Jesus-type people because nobody ever came before us that tried to change the world. Listen to me. 
people have been fighting to change the world and for fighting for equality before you were born. Uh, before you came to this world, people were fighting for oppressed minorities and poor people. We are literally standing on the shoulders of people who have gone before us. Somebody say amen about it. And God never called you to reject history or reject your parents. He, he actually called us to honor those who fought for our freedom. This is a blessed nation. With all its problems, with all its challenges, with all its difficulties, there's not another place on earth that I would rather live. I think this is the greatest nation that God ever let live on the face of this earth. And if you want to leave today, our ushers will drive you to the airport for free right after church. Um, but I say that as a first-generation American, a son of an immigrant, with all the problems that this nation has, it is a blessed nation. Because blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And it has massive problems, massive Massive injustice and challenges and difficulties. But people are like, well, America's hateful. Compared to where? Compared to where? I know what it's like to go to China and get up at 2 a.m. and switch cars three times to end or lose the tails of people that are following you because they get money if they report a church service happening and have church at 3 a.m. in a little 20 by 10 room with a dirt floor with 1940s Christmas garland hung up and in there with 70 Chinese people on their knees whispering songs in the middle of the night having a church service because they can't have it in the day because if they're found out, they will be arrested and put in prison for the next 10 or 20 years. And I personally smuggled in 30 Bibles to give them and tears running down their face because they're, they're literally living off of pages trying to memorize the pages before it gets taken from them. We are a blessed nation that we have the freedom to meet here today, that we have the freedom of speech, that we have the freedom to lift up Jesus, and people died for it. People died for it. With all of America's problems, America was also one of the first, one of the first nations in the history of the world to pass legislation to end slavery. France, Britain, and America were the first three nations in the history of the world to ever pass legislation to end slavery in the world. And it existed from as far back as we have human record. Thank God for freedom. Thank God for America. And with all his problems, let's not curse it. Let's bless it. Let's pray for it. Let's ask God to bless our president and our, our Congress and Senate and leaders. Ask God to bless them. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I don't want to tear it down because I live here. When I go to another nation and I visit, they, they stamp my passport and say, welcome home. I can visit other nations, but I can't live there. I can visit the Bahamas, you know, but I thank God I live here. There ain't no Bahamian dream. There's an American dream. I tell you right now, I'll take you to the Bahamas. Y'all think the Bahamas is the Atlantis. I'll take you to the Bahamas. I'll show you. There's more to it than what you see on those cruise ships. This is a blessed nation. Somebody say amen about it. I'll go, I'll take you into the interior. You meet my family. We'll get some uh, macro, macro, baked macaroni, fried snapper, some fried conch. I hurt you. You won't fit in nothing when I'm done with you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, you know, we live in this culture, in this world where everybody's screaming revolution and culture is pushing every individual to say, you have to say a certain thing in a certain way, at a certain time. And if you don't say a certain thing in a certain way at a certain time, then they will say you're not a loving, kind person. Because we're all about equality, we're all about justice, we're all about loving people! 
And it seems to me that the church is kind of in a tricky situation here because they're being forced to say something. And it's kind of like culture's trying to trick the church and culture's trying to hijack the church. And Jesus faced the same experience in Matthew 22 because you got to realize Matthew is a tax collector. He's a thief. He was a Jewish man who betrayed his own people for money, and yet somehow God used him. Isn't it amazing how God will use people that the rest of the world rejects? And Matthew, you know, 22, the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious experts of the law were trying to trick Jesus. Now, you've got to realize the culture and the tension in the situation because the Pharisees and Sadducees are like the Republicans and the Democrats. They can't agree. These people cannot agree, okay? It's, it's, it's very high tension, and they're trying to trick Jesus up. I don't know if you can relate to what we're in here. They're trying to get Jesus to pick a side. And, um, you know, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Do we just pay him to God? You know, well, if this one was married to this guy, and he died, and he married, she married this guy, and then he died, and she married. Like, they're trying to trick him up. And they finally can't trick Jesus up. He keeps answering the questions. So they get frustrated, and they say, okay, we've got to bring in the big dog now. We've got to bring in the gun. You know, we've got to bring in the expert. So they bring this expert in, and he asks Jesus this question. And this question is, it's, 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 it's a question that they thought had no answer. So they're trying, to, they're trying to put him in a corner. And so he comes out and says, okay, Jesus, here's the question. Which is the greatest law in the Torah? What's the greatest commandment? What, what is the greatest commandment? Now, that sounds like a simple question until you realize there's 613 laws. There's 613 laws. 365 of them are for every day of the year. So every day you wake up, here's the law today. Can you imagine if you woke up and you had to open up and go, okay, here's the law, you got to follow today. How many people are thankful we're under grace? Praise the Lord. So, every, I mean, imagine every day you had to wake up and follow this law. Now, the other 248 are for every body part. I didn't even know we had 248 body parts, but apparently there's one for every body part. So the, the body part laws and the laws for every day equal 613. So they put Jesus in this situation where now he's got two options. When they say, what's the greatest law? He can say he doesn't know, which if he doesn't know, then he's not the Messiah. Or he can pick one. The problem is, if he picks one, there's a whole group of people who disagree. So if he says, okay, this is right, there's a whole group of people who disagree. If he picks this one, there's a whole other group of people who disagree. So they put him in a situation where he, he, they ask him a question that he can't answer. Trying to trick him. Trying to make him pick a side. And Jesus is brilliant. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And if you read in the Greek, it says the consequence to doing that is that you end up loving people as you love yourself. They tried to put Jesus in a politically correct situation, but what do you do when being politically correct is not correct? What do you do when the world's forcing you to go down a way that you go, that's not right before God? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love people as you love yourself. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't say the greatest law in the commandment was to love people? He 
He said the greatest was to love, was to love who? And we live in a world that says, love people, love people, love people. Hey, we need to love people. What about God? See, because what Jesus was saying is it is possible to love people and not love God. But it is impossible to love God and not love Love people, love people. Hey, let's love people. What about God? So God said, Jesus said, there's an order to this. And the most important is not that you love people. The most important is that you love, that you love God. In fact, he didn't even say love people like you love God. He said, love people like you love you. so good, Pastor. Woo, it's amazing. See, all the enemy has to do is change the order. Let's just put people in front of God. That's all we have to do is change the order. And it's possible to love people and not love God, but it isn't possible to love God and not love people. And what if, let's just ask ourselves some what if questions. What if in our pursuit of loving people, We've lost our love for God. What if in our pursuit of reaching culture, we ended up becoming the culture? What if in our pursuit of reaching the world, we failed to love the God who created the world? And what if in our attempt to win people with the gospel, we ended up losing the gospel? Because it is possible to love people and not love God. Mark 8, 36, Paul says, what good is it if we gain the whole world? If we win the whole world, we love the whole world, but we lose our own soul. Jesus created an order because it is possible to love people and lose your love for God. And the enemy, you got to realize, guys, the enemy never plans to come looking like the enemy. The enemy never plans on coming looking like hate. Do you know the Bible tells you what you will say when you see Satan? Do you guys know you're all going to see Satan one day? You're going to see him. We're going to see him thrown in the lake of fire. Come on, somebody. Say amen about it. We're going to see him. But the Bible says what your reaction will be when you see him. It says in Isaiah, it says, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, squint their eyes, consider thee, saying, is this the man that caused the earth to tremble? And openeth not the house of its prisoners and destroy the cities? You? You! See, because Satan's strength is not in his arm or his might or his ability to control you. It's in his ability to deceive you. That's why I tell guys all the time, I say, you ain't hooked on drugs. You just think you are. You're not homosexual, you just think you are. See, he doesn't have to hook you. He just needs to make you think you're hooked. Because as a man thinketh in his heart. Deceit. So it's all deception. It's all smoke and mirrors. The enemy is not planning to look like the enemy. The enemy's not planning to show up with a pitchfork and a tail and horns. The enemy's planning to look like love. 
The enemy's planning to look like justice. The enemy's planning to look like compassion. He's planning to look like compassion and love and justice. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Love without wisdom is stupid. And love without discernment is emotional hype. And love without reason is a lie. And love without action is dead. Yo, love people! Love people! Let's just love people! What about God? What about God? When it comes down to it, I'm going to choose God. I'm going to choose the cross. I'm going to choose the Bible. I'm going to choose the Holy Spirit. I'm going to choose Jesus. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, not people. I'm going to choose God over people. You need to love God more than you love anybody. When they came to Jesus, they were like, Jesus, your mother's at the door. Jesus like, who is my mother? Who is my father? He that doeth the work of the Lord. He, that is my brother. That is my sister. Jesus said, unless you want to forsake your mother and your father and your sister and brother and even crucify yourself, you can't be my disciple. That's why Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. We live in a world that cares more about culture than character. They care more about the outside than the inside. They care more about body parts than the roles those parts play. And culture's created a brand of love that has removed God's love from the equation. Culture has created a brand of love that removes God from our lives. And maybe love isn't love. And maybe that kind of love is not love. Maybe it's a lie. Because the moment you remove God from love, it's a lie. It's a lie. And maybe love has to have God in the equation because God created us to love him more than we love anybody. And when it comes down to it, we got to pick Jesus. When it comes down to it, we've got to choose the Lord. When we come down to it, we got to say, I love the Lord more than I love anybody in my life because Jesus is the ultimate love of my life. Is anybody with me? Jesus is the ultimate love of my life. Pastor, why is the ultimate love of your life? Because, because when nobody loved me, Jesus loved me. When nobody cared about me, Jesus cared about me. When nobody thought I was valuable, Jesus thought I was valuable. When nobody thought I was worth talking to, you know who did? Jesus thought I was worth talking to. When nobody thought I was worth listening to, you know who thought I was worth listening to? Jesus thought I was worth listening to. And it's not just that he loved me, it's that he so loved me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because there's a difference between somebody loving you and somebody so loving you. And I don't know if you understand, but 
But I was so angry and so bitter and so hurt and so frustrated and so abused and so molested and so ostracized and so alienated and so rejected and so divorced and so sick and so hurting. But he so loved me. People will never love you as much as Jesus loves you. When mother and father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. He is a friend that sticks closer than any brother. And that's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God. God called us to love him more than we love people. And culture has created a brand of love that removes God from the equation. And this tragedy is that it's crept into the church. It's crept into churches all over America. That's why people want, people want love without truth. They want love without truth. They want compassion without honesty. And they want the Holy Spirit without conviction. You can't have the Holy Spirit without conviction. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, Jesus said, I will not leave you alone. I will send the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will convict the world of their sin. How are you going to have the Holy Spirit without truth? Jesus is truth. See, the world is building its standard and its foundation on compassion and an imperfect love. Love people, love people. What about God? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. You are not going to heaven unless you acknowledge the truth of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the wonder of his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and See, grace lets you belong, but only truth sets you free. You shall know the, and the, shall set you free. 1 John 3, 7 and 10, put it on the screen. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God will continue. Do you see that? It's New Testament. Will continue sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning. You know, go back. Go back. Go back to verse 9. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Leave that verse. Leave that verse. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. Come here, Nicholas. Run up here real quick. Run up here. Come on, you can do it. That's my boy right there. Come on. That's my boy. This is Nicholas. This is Nicholas. He's 13, just turned 13. 
We were at Disney. He told me, what should I do if somebody tries to kidnap me? I'm like, just fall down. They won't be able to take you. Just fall down. He, uh, he looks just like me. Almost as tall as me, yeah. Looks just like me. I love him. Looks just like me, right? Because I am in him. That's what Jesus said. He said, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. You will look like Jesus because Jesus is in you. I don't care what he does. He can't not look like me. Because I am in him. Wherever he goes, whoever he talks to, you look just like your daddy. Do you hear that all the time? You look just, all the time, you look just like your daddy, right? Because I am in him. The same way people go, you look like Jesus. You sound like Jesus. You pray like God because God's word is in you. When was the last time somebody told you you look like Jesus, you sound like Jesus, you talk like Jesus? When you get God's word, which is his seed on the inside of you, the same way he looks like me, you will look like Jesus. Give him a big God bless you. Put verse, put verse 10 up. This is how we know who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. That's how you know who belongs to who. How do you know who if somebody belongs to Satan or somebody belongs to God? Sin. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's. I'm not writing this. This has been in your Bible. New Testament is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brothers and sisters. Love people, love people. What about God? What about God? How do you summarize the Bible? Pastor, summarize the Bible. It's about loving people. No! It's about loving God. But you see how deceitful that is? You see how deceitful that is? You see how you just change the order? Oh, it's all about loving people. Let's just love people. Come on, love people. Let's just, let's just all be loving and love people. The Bible's about loving people. No! The Bible's about loving God. And the consequence to loving God is you end up loving people. Because it's possible to love people and not love God. But it is impossible to love God and not love, oh, Jesus. The moment you remove God from love, it's a lie. And we have people worshiping. We have raised a generation of church people who worship people more than they worship God. They idolize people more than they lift up Jesus. That's why you can defend your social justice cause more than you can defend the cause of Christ. And I came to remind you today, God calls you to love him more than you love people. If you love God, you will learn to love people. I'm, not, I'm being dead serious. Some of y'all don't even love your spouse because you don't love God. Loving God helps you love your spouse. 
Loving God helps you love those children that get on your nerves. Loving God helps you love people who don't look like you or sound like you or talk like you or dress like you or eat like you or vote like you. I'm not trying to be on the right side of history. I'm trying to be on the right side of Jesus. I'm not trying to be on the right side of of history. We're trying to be on the right side of Christ. God did not call us to be on the right side of culture. He called us to be on the right side of Christ. God didn't create us to be on the right side of popularity. He created us to be on the right side of his purpose. And either you choose popularity or you choose purpose. Either you choose culture or you choose Christ. And all you have to do is watch the news or turn on any media platform to see this entire world has bought into this. And that's what happens when you separate God from love. And Jesus answered this question beautifully. Love God and out of that you will love people. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we've raised a generation of people that have switched from loving the gospel and loving God to loving people. Love is not love. God is love. And the world is screaming, love, love, love. And Jesus is saying, I am love. The world is screaming, race, 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 race. And Jesus preached grace, grace, grace. Jesus didn't come to deal with culture. He came to deal with our character. Jesus didn't come to deal with our race. He came to deal with repentance. Jesus didn't come to deal with our skin. He came to set us free from sin. That's the message of the gospel. First John 4, 7, dear friends, put on screen, First John 4, 7, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from, from who? God. Who? God. Oh, I, love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and, you know what that, leave that up there, leave that up. You know what that verse is saying? You don't even know how to love if you don't know God. Well, I'm a loving person, and I just love people in my own. No, you do not know how to love people. That's a lie. Let me just, oh my, I feel like throwing my shoe out in the crowd. <laughs> Listen to me. This, there's a lie. There's a lie that is being perpetuated that is against this verse. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now we have a world culture that says the complete opposite of that. Go to verse eight. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. Okay, so here's the situation the world's in. Okay. Here's the situation the world's in. Put my... Is that it? Yeah. He does not, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
Here's the situation we're in. The world is trying to tell you that love is love. Love is love. Put my picture up. I went into Target. Put my picture up of Target. I went into Target. This is, this is like, as soon as I walked, no, the other picture. The other one, there should be two. I went in Target. This is a display in Target. Okay? The whole family, mom, dad, boy, take pride. And put that, zoom in on that shirt. Okay, love is love. This is what the, this is what the world wants to tell you. Love is love. Everybody knows you cannot use a word to describe a word. Imagine if the entire dictionary, every time you looked for what a word meant, they just used the word to describe what it meant. Okay? Love is not, they're saying love is love, dog is dog, cat is cat, Pastor John is Pastor Jonathan, chair is chair, rock is raw, car, car is car. No. Love is not the definition of love. Because the moment you remove God from love, it's a lie. So they're saying, la people, la people, la people. What about God? Do you know why they have no definition for love? Because they've removed God from love. And the moment you remove God from love, there is no definition of love. So that's why they're saying love is just love. And car is car. And dog is dog. And cat is cat. And building is building. And rock is rock. Because the definition of love is God. And when you remove God from the word love, you have no definition. That's why they can't define it. And they just say love is love. And the whole world is buying into this lie of deceit. Because they won't love without God. Do you know what you got when you try to have love without God? You got what we got now. We got chaos. Because God is love. That's the heart. And you see it on young people. This was a toddler shirt. And so we got a whole generation coming up. And love is love. Love is just love people. Just, see how good that sounds? Just sounds right. Yeah, just love people, man. Just love people. Love is not God. They have made a God out of the word love. Just because you love something doesn't mean it's godly. Or good for you. I love little Debbies. I love them. I love them. You know, they should make those little Debbies in those. You know when you try to open up a toy and it's all shrink-wrapped and hard. You got scissors and knives. Those little Debbies, they just open up. They just, you just look at, oh, it opened. Well, I just eat it. I just already opened. It just, you just touch it and it opens. People ask me, why come you don't drink? You don't smoke? Well, I go to hell if I smoke. I said, no, you won't go to hell. You may smell like you've been to hell. I don't think you'll go to hell if you smoke. Well, can I drink? I said, I guess you can drink. You just shouldn't be drunk. You know, I don't do it because I have addictive behaviors. I know me. I don't need to get in a fight with Jack Daniels and the, the Marlboro man because me and little Debbie are in a death match. <laughs> I can't be taken on no more. Love isn't, love isn't love. God is love. You cannot remove the creator 
out of love. And you will never love people. Listen, you're never going to love people more than God loves people. This whole lie of like, oh, I'm a loving person. We just need to embrace everybody, accept everybody, and go down this lie of relativism because it's whatever you believe, it's right because you believe it. And let's just have compassion and love for people. This is a lot. This love is rooted in fear. If you don't embrace my lifestyle, if you don't embrace my sexual identity, we will call the social justice mob for you and we will cancel you. And that's why they got every major company in America freaked out. And many of you freaked out. And this is rooted in fear. That's why our love is perfect love, because perfect love casts out all fear. That's not a real love. You will never love people more than God loves people. Stop being so arrogant and self-righteous. Stop saying, well, I love people, I love people. You don't love people more than God. You're not more loving and generous than Jesus. Jesus gave his life. Well, I just don't disagree with people can do what they want. I'm just a loving person. You need to stop going around saying you love people and start going around saying you love God. Amen. And out of your love for God, you will show your love for people. Jesus died on the cross for us while we were sinners. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's why the essence of the gospel is love. What's the culture that you're going to embrace in your home? Are you going to say it's for me and my house? We will serve the Lord. That's got to be the culture that we embrace. Can I get an amen? That's got to be the heart that we embrace for our families and for our children and for those who are coming after us. Love is not just your ability to say, well, I love somebody. It's your ability to love people again and again and again. It's not some feeling. Love is not some dopamine rush that makes you feel good. Love is a person, and his name is Jesus that makes you do good. And people have reduced love to a feeling, to a passion, but love is a person. And we live in a world where Satan wants to manipulate the truth. All he has to do is switch the order. Just switch the order. That's what he's done with masculinity. That's what he's done with feminism. Just switch the order. Just switch the roles. Just switch the roles. Put the word, oh, yeah, masculinity, that's, that's godly. Let's put the word toxic in front of it. Let's, let's put the word radical feminism. Let's, let's change the roles. That's how he destroyed the first family, by changing the roles. Let's, I mean, let's, just before we go, let's look at the first family, Adam and Eve. Everything was going great. And then one day... Eve ate of the tree because God said, if you do this, you will be like equality. You'll be equal to God. See, nobody wants to be under anybody. Satan wants to be like God. I will be like God. Isaiah 14, he falls. Then he tells Eve, if you do this, you will be like God. Then she falls. And the Bible says she ate of the tree and then she gets, see, most people just read over this stuff. But to me, I, 
She ate of the tree, and then the Bible says she gave to her husband. You see, there's nothing on a woman, I'm sorry, there's nothing on a man decide, that's built to receive. Everything on a man is built to give. We are givers. Women are receivers. And whatever you give a woman, she takes it, multiplies it, and gives it back to you. You give a woman seed, she takes it, she multiplies it, she gives you a baby. You give a woman a house, she takes it, multiplies it, gives you a home. You give her hell, she gives you damnation. So if you don't like what you're getting from her, check what you're giving to her. Because what you're getting from her is a derivative of what you're giving to her. But the order's been reversed. Adam should be giving to Eve. But Eve is now giving to Adam, who was with her. He's with her. She's not with him. He's with her. The role was reversed. You see, because we're all of equal value, men and women are of equal value, but we're not of equal responsibility. Pastor Drain's equal to me in value. She's not equal to me in responsibility. Because when God came, he didn't talk to Eve. He talked to Adam. And Adam was so messed up in the way he was doing family that when God talked to him, he said, well, the woman. God said, I ain't talking to her. I'm talking to you. I gave the command to you. I told you not to eat of it before we even made her. God dealt with him because even though they were of equal value, they were not of equal responsibility. And now you've got men being told to be like women and you've got women being told to be like men. Don't you cry, girl. Come on, be strong, be masculine. Don't you cry. You know how many times, I, I cannot even tell you the last time I had a woman cry in front of me that she didn't apologize for it. And I could see almost the shame in her eyes just because she was crying. And I said, why are, you cry why are you apologizing for crying? Because the world's told her that she needs to be more masculine. God made you like that. God gave those to you. I don't need my wife to be like me. I need her to have those emotions so someone in the house does. Now, she ain't crying, I ain't crying. My God, somebody cry in this house. Somebody care about, have an emotion about something. Somebody have a word to say. And that's what's happened. No, you need to be like man. Go out, you need to do this and now work like a man and do that like a man. Make money like a man. And I'm not saying women can't work. By all means, my family, my sisters work. I'm not saying that you can't do that. I'm just saying, who is in the house? Who is in the house? That's why we got the culture raising our kids. If men and women were of equal responsibility, how come... We know statistically, if a man's not in the house, your kids are more likely to go to jail. Mama's there. But how come when dad's not, the kids are more likely to go to jail, more likely to grow up impoverished? If, if it's of equal responsibility. How come when a woman comes to church and her husband doesn't, we can lose the whole family, but if the husband comes, statistically, the whole family's in God's house. 
if they're of equal responsibility. Maybe they're not of equal responsibility. Maybe they are of equal value. How come every time God healed a person, it was a man of sight in the Bible? And every time he healed him, he sent him back home because a blessed man always produces a blessed house. And most marriages would be healed today if a man would get healed. And we bought into this lie of toxic masculinity and radical feminism and love is just love. And more of us now are social justice warriors than we are Christ followers. The problem with social justice is it makes you look at someone else's sin and not your own. Look what they did, look what they did, look what they did. And all while you're looking and mad and angry at what other people did, Christ is coming back and you didn't ask forgiveness for yours. That's why we need the truth. That's why we need the gospel. Because this is a lie. This is, all, this is a lie. Build it on compassion, imperfect love, relativism, social justice, ends in war. You're constantly angry, constantly upset, constantly at odds. The truth is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The justice of God was the cross. We've received the mercy. How many of you received mercy and forgiveness through Jesus Christ? And now you have perfect love that casts out all fear and you have peace with God. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying love is not love. Don't make a God out of love. And don't love people more than you love God. In fact, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when it comes to loving people, love them like you love yourself. On these two hang all the laws and the prophets. Did you get something out of this today? Come on, give God a praise. Hey, everybody. Pastor Jonathan here, and I'm here with my baby girl, Liliana. Just want to say thanks for tuning in today. I pray that this word blessed your life. Do not believe the lie that love is love. God is love. And the moment you remove God from love, it's a lie. I pray that you will know truth, that you will know Jesus, that the spirit of truth will live on the inside of you so that you can be the husband, the wife, the family, the marriage, the parents that God's called you to be. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, if we would get healed as parents, then our kids won't have to get healed from having us as parents. I love you. I'm praying for you. Thank you so much for supporting the ministry. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share this with somebody. We love you. God bless.